0: Do you flip through music podcasts like you would the dollar bins of your local record shop? Hoping to stumble upon that rare pressing or super under-the-radar classic? Well, dig no further. Vinyl Emergency is where musicians, everyday album collectors, and those who design, release, or otherwise celebrate vinyl records come to share their stories about how this influential medium has shaped their lives and careers. I'm your host, Jim Hankey, and you can join me and a new guest every other Tuesday as we take you through LP artwork that has stood the test of time, our favorite neighborhood record stores, the first albums we ever bought. The tangible object of a vinyl record can spark so many intangible memories, and that's what Vinyl Emergency aims to capture and share with you. Past episodes have featured interviews with Roseanne Cash, Hosier, Creed Bratton from NBC's The Office, members of Foo Fighters, Wilco, Tom Petting the Heartbreakers, and Run DMC. Not to mention label owners, record pressers, and more within today's exploding vinyl community. You don't need to be a longtime record collector to enjoy or keep up with our conversations, but I guarantee you'll learn something new whenever you listen. Subscribe to Vinyl Emergency however you get podcasts, and follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Vinyl Emergency. Hi,
1: my name is Tony Thaxton. Like anyone else, I love a great album. But I also love those strange albums that might make you wonder how and why they even exist. But I'm not here to make fun of them. I'm here to celebrate them and tell their story. This is Bizarre Albums. Today's episode, Linda Carter, Portrait from 1978. On December 3rd, 2020... Warner Brothers Pictures announced that its entire lineup of films for 2021 would see a theatrical release, as well as being put on HBO Max the same day at no additional cost to HBO Max subscribers. This came on the heels of the news that the eagerly awaited Wonder Woman 1984 would get a same-day HBO Max and theatrical release on Christmas Day 2020. Wonder Woman 1984's release date had already been moved several times even before the COVID-19 pandemic. Once the pandemic hit the U.S., the movie was pushed back several more times, eventually seeing a Christmas release. Wonder Woman 1984 is a sequel to director Patty Jenkins' 2017 hit Wonder Woman. That film had its troubles along the way as well. Its development began all the way back in 1996. It went through countless writers and directors over the years. But Warner Brothers would finally announce the film in 2010. But it took another seven years to get it done. But it was worth the wait. It was a hit with critics and audiences. It ended up as the 10th highest grossing film of 2017, grossing over $821 million worldwide. The character of Wonder Woman dates back to October 21st, 1941. When she first appeared in all-star comics number eight the female superhero wasn't created by your typical comic book writer she was created by american psychologist william moulton marston though he's credited for wonder woman as just william moulton moulton marston whatever you want to call him i'll refer to him as marston from here on out he was an interesting guy he was a harvard alumni sold a movie script while he was still a student at harvard He created the systolic blood pressure test, which later became a key component to polygraph lie detector tests. So how did a Harvard psychologist end up creating one of the most famous comic book superheroes of all time? Here's his granddaughter, Christy Marston, on Sci-Fi Wire. My grandfather was hired as a psych consultant for the company that became DC Comics. I mean, comics were a new thing, and he was just guiding them on everything. Charlie Gaines, who was head of what became DC, had just kind of said, oh, Bill, why don't don't you write a comic? And he went home and talked to my grandmother, and she said, yeah, go ahead and do it, but it needs to be a woman, because there are enough men out there already as superheroes. So Wonder Woman started. Elizabeth Marston was William's wife, She not only played a big part in his development of the systolic blood pressure test, but also as the partial inspiration for Wonder Woman. The other big inspiration was William and Elizabeth's life partner, Olive Byrne. The three had a polyamorous relationship. William had two children with each woman. Elizabeth supported the family financially, and Olive took care of the children. Feminist icon Gloria Steinem has been a major supporter of Wonder Woman, She once said that Marston had invented Wonder Woman as a heroine for little girls, and also as a conscious alternative to the violence of comic books for boys. Wonder Woman became a feminist icon herself. Marston considered himself a feminist, and Olive Byrne was the daughter of Ethel Byrne, the progressive-era activist who, with her sister, opened the first birth control clinic in the U.S. In 1972, Wonder Woman made the cover of Gloria Steinem's Miss Magazine further solidifying her feminist icon status. After that moment, Wonder Woman started reaching beyond the comic books. In the great hall of the Justice League, there are assembled the world's four greatest heroes, created from the cosmic legends of the universe. Super Friends debuted on ABC September 8th, 1973. It was an animated series produced by Hanna-Barbera based on the Justice League of America. But this actually wasn't Wonder Woman's first TV appearance. For that, we have to rewind back to December 2nd, 1972.
0: The Brady Kids, the Brady Kids Here's the world of your friends, the Brady Kids
1: The Brady Kids was an animated spin-off based on the Brady Bunch. In a season one episode titled It's All Greek to Me, the Brady Kids meet Wonder Woman when Marlin, their talking mina bird wizard, transports the Brady Kids to Ancient Greece.
0: Marlin did it again.
1: Wow, he really did it this time.
0: The bird must have magic powers. As Diana Prince, I better continue to act surprised about being here in Ancient Greece until I have a chance to become Wonder Woman.
1: Not long after her animated debut, Wonder Woman would come to live-action television for the first time.
0: Tonight, on Tuesday Movie of the Week. The Wonder Woman. She's here. She should be eliminated. C'est la vie. On
1: March 12, 1974, a made-for-TV Wonder Woman movie starring Kathy Lee Crosby aired on ABC This version of Wonder Woman was pretty different. First off, Crosby was a blonde. She wore a different costume, she had no superpowers, and acted more as a super spy than a superhero. The movie was a pilot for a planned TV series, but it never got picked up. Instead, ABC along with Warner Brothers developed a different version of Wonder Woman that was more in line with the comic books. On November 7th, 1975, ABC aired a brand new made-for-TV movie, the new original Wonder Woman. This time, the role of Wonder Woman went to 1972's Miss World USA, Linda Carter. Just a few days after the TV movie aired, Carter appeared on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. I saw the show the other night. Really, Did you? you
0: were excellent. And I saw the whole show. Oh, well, thank and you. And I thought a... it was well done. And it was fun, and everybody seemed to be having a great time, and that's what it needed. That's exactly right. We just, uh, I think the way that they did it the, the previous time, yeah. they really didn't have fun with it. Yeah. They didn't do it and have fun. And all of us, working with, uh, I mean, this was my first starring role. Is that your very first thing? My very first starring role. And I'd done two small parts, before, day player parts, you know. Yeah. And I tested for it in the weeks and weeks and weeks of waiting for the phone call, you know, the yeah. phone call.
1: Eventually, the waiting ended, and the pilot turned into a series. Season one did well in the ratings, but because of its high cost of production, ABC didn't commit to further seasons, and CBS swooped in and picked up the further seasons. And the success of the show would be an opportunity Carter had always dreamed of. Here's more of her appearance on The Tonight Show. Is this what you wanted to do, to be in the entertainment business?
0: Oh, yes. All really? my life. All my life.
1: Since you were a little girl?
0: Since so I was a little girl. I started off singing and... Uh, and everything I could, and being in all the the shows at school, and all that. Yeah. Ever since I can remember watching the Dinosaur Chevy show.
1: As she said, she started off as a singer. So, with her newfound success, between seasons two and three of Wonder Woman, Carter's fame brought her back to her first love, singing. So, in late 1978, Linda Carter released Portrait on Epic Records.
0: This is a job for Wonder Woman.
1: The album kicks off with All Night Song, which was also released as a single. The song was written by Bob Siller, who also sings backing vocals on the record. Quick little note here, sometimes people ask me what I think constitutes a bizarre album. Because in some cases, like this record, the albums aren't necessarily all that bizarre. But the way I look at it, especially in this case, is this is an album released by someone who's not thought of as being a musician. Despite starting out as a singer, Linda Carter is mostly associated with Wonder Woman, not a recording artist. So now that I've said that, let's move on. She's Always a Woman was a song from Billy Joel's 1977 album, The Stranger. It was released as a double A-side single with Just the Way You Are and peaked at number 17 on the Billboard Hot 100. One year later, Linda Carter covered it for Portrait.
0: She can kill with a smile, she can wound with a eyes. She can ruin your faith with a casual eyes. And she only lives. What she want you to see She hides like a child But she's only a woman like
1: me There's a quote from Carter on the website lindacartersings.com that reads, quote, Bet you didn't know I could sing. I grew up in a house filled with music. My mother, who is of Mexican and Spanish descent, used to sing to my English-Irish father. And between the two of them, I was introduced to a diverse array of music ranging from country to blues to classical i was encouraged to sing since i spoke my first word and i've sung every day of my life since then and not just in the shower either end quote Carter's experience singing in bands goes back to her high school days. At age 15, she sang in a band called Just Us. When she was 16, she joined another band called The Relatives, alongside two of her cousins. And that band's drummer was actor Gary Berghoff, who would go on to play Radar on M.A.S.H.
0: Here's a mover and a groover, and it ain't by Herbert Hoover, it's for all you animal and music lovers. The Cincinnati Dancing Pig!
1: While attending Arizona State University, Carter was voted Most Talented. She dropped out of college to pursue a career in music. In 1970, she joined the band The Garfin Gathering as their singer. She toured with the band for a few years, but by 1972, she was unhappy traveling all the time. So she quit the band to pursue acting instead. In the July 1978 issue of Ladies Home Journal... Carter said, quote, I see no conflict in combining music and acting careers. Years ago, Ginger Rogers sang, danced, and acted. Doris Day, too. And look at John Travolta. He's a perfect example of a contemporary person who's doing it all. Albums, movies. Now it's time for a contemporary woman to do the same. End quote. Doris Troy had a top 10 hit in 1963 with Just One Look. The song has also been covered by artists like Anne Murray, The Hollies, Linda Ronstadt, and now, Linda Carter.
0: Just One Look.
1: Linda Carter wrote three of the album's songs, one of which is Want to Get Beside You. Carter even performs the song in a third-season episode of Wonder Woman called Amazon Hot Wax. That episode also featured a young Rick Springfield.
0: Everybody's in the same place, baby. Everybody's gotta go. Just want to get and not get in your way yeah. the same
1: in that same Wonder Woman episode Carter also performs another song she co-wrote the album's closer Toto parentheses don't it feel like paradise she would also perform this song on her 1980 TV special
0: I get the feeling when I not in Kansas anymore. We're on a golden road in a moving picture show. Oh, don't it feel like oh, how to so nice?
1: According to Carter herself, This album, as well as a headlining performance at Caesars Palace in 1978, were due to her then-husband Ron Samuels arranging for her to co-host The Mike Douglas Show and present herself as a singer. But even with all of this, plus several TV specials, the album failed to make an impact. And Carter wouldn't release another album for 30 years. The producer of Linda Carter's portrait was Vinnie Poncia, He's worked with artists like Ringo Starr, Melissa Manchester. He's even the co-writer of Leo Sayer's 1978 hit, You Make Me Feel Like Dancing. He also produced two albums for Kiss, and that included their infamous disco phase. But that is for another time. Thank you for listening to Bizarre Albums. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps people find the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Bizarre Albums.